Shapers on Jazz FM. Listen in color. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Billy Taylor with I Wish I Knew How It Would Feel To Be Free, another one of my favourite all-time tracks. Good morning. This is Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers is where you get to hear the very best of the people who are shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul. And I put them right alongside in the face of the very best people who are shaping the world of business. And we call them business shapers. I'm really pleased to say my business shaper today is a super interesting person called Jamie Fuller, the chairman of Skins. And if you haven't heard of them, they're the sports compression wear business, an amazing concept which many big um, sportsmen and women have bought into. You'll be hearing lots from him, not just about business, but a lot to do with values and mission and purpose. And it's going to be fantastic. In addition to hearing from Jamie, you'll be hearing from our program partners at Mishkon Dereus some words of advice for your business. And then, of course, there's the music. And we've got a scintillating mix today from the Shapers of Jazz, Blues and Soul. That includes Robert Cray, Gilberto Gil, and this from Dinah Washington. <laughs> That was Dinah Washington with Mad About the Boy. It's iconic, another iconic track here on Jazz Shapers. Jamie Fuller is my business shaper today. He's the chairman of Skins, the sports compression wear business, and he has been since 2002. And without any further ado, hello and thank you very much for joining me. Hey, Elliot. Now, Jamie, uh, tell me a bit about this business that you got into, because it was pretty close to when it was founded, and you're one of those people that um, we have on the programme from time to time that hasn't actually founded the business, but is essentially has become the heart and soul and uh, and everything else. What got you into this business way back then? Yeah, it's a, it's actually a really, f- it was a, a fascinating concept, and it was the first business to introduce the notion of taking an adjacent technology, which is enhancing circulation through compression, Uh, which we know from the medical channel for people that are recovering from operations or old people, sick people, infirm people. And the original founder had this brilliant idea about taking that that technology and applying it to 21st century fabrics and making it applicable not just for healthy people but uber-healthy people for elite athletes. And if if you can enhance circulation, you can deliver more oxygen to your muscles and you can get a performance boost. And so this was six years in development from 1996 to 2002, launched in April 2002, and effectively was broke by December. And that was when I stepped in. I came in in December 2002 and took over the business then. At that point, what were you up to? What were you doing before Skins? Uh, Yeah, look, I've had a fairly mixed background other than... um, It's all going to come out. You do know that. Yeah, I've looked... Full full disclosure. Played piano in a brothel. No... That's not true. It's okay. Um, Other than a a couple of years living in the French Alps in a ski resort, then I I got into the printing industry and manufacturing, Uh, then set up a separate printing sales business, then property development, and then it seemed like the perfect training to get into consumer brand building. Well, I was going to say, there's not really a natural segue there, but that's kind of interesting in itself. What 
what has made you because this business is now i think north of 20 million in revenue it's in a whole heap of countries i mean you could be, i'm going to say a number and it's going to be more but probably over 40 countries well done 43 thank good that was lucky um what did prepare you for that How, absolutely nothing so so what was it on the job that you uh managed to get your head around so quickly i was bored out of my brain uh, doing what I was doing before, both in printing and also in um, property development. Uh, did very well in the printing sales business, did extremely well in the property development business, but for incredibly unfulfilled and was looking for something that was challenging, something that was new, something that I could learn on uh, and something that I felt I could contribute to as well. So this came up and I saw it and thought, wow, what a what a great opportunity, what a huge risk. But what a potentially incredible return. Stay with me for much more from my business shaper, Jamie Fuller, as he tells the story of risk, which has turned into some fantastic results. Time for some more music. Uh, one of Jamie's favourites, apparently, is Robert Cray, and it's the Robert Cray Band with Fine Yesterday. I was fine yesterday. That was Robert Cray with Fine yesterday. Uh, I've been talking to Jamie Fuller, who's my uh, business shaper today, and he's the chairman of the business called Skins. And we were just finding out that you had absolutely no preparation for the job you're about to do, but that you, that if I was listening to you uh, correctly, you kind of done pretty well in the things you'd done before. So probably if there was the the DNA of success in there, then they then they found the right person. In those early years, what were you seeking to do? You said it was a risk. What was the risk for you, and how did you translate that into something that has become um, more than just a sports brand, which we'll come on to pretty shortly? Well, first of all, it was one product. It was a pair of long tights. That was it. And for the first two years, we had to try and establish our credibility, if you like, as a performance product. And for the first two years, the majority of the revenues that we generated were for sales to elite athletes. So we did sell to the public, but the greater percentage was to elite athletes. And when I say to elite athletes, we were selling at full retail price with a 10% discount for bulk, which we didn't appreciate at the time. We genuinely didn't appreciate it because none of us running the business came from sport. And if we'd come from sport, we would have gone into this with a preconceived notion that you cannot sell to elite athletes. I mean, you imagine going to Manchester United and making them pay not just to wear your product, to be seen to be wearing your product. Uh, and that, that, was, that was really revolutionary later on when we came to do our first marketing campaign. That was the insight that shaped our initial marketing campaign, which was we don't pay sports stars to wear our products, they pay us. And we had, I think at that stage in 2005, something like 12 Premier League teams buying them. Um, just about every elite Australian sporting club and professional team was buying them. So it was becoming hugely successful at the very top of the pyramid, which was a great place to start then working down the pyramid and marketing to consumers. It strikes me that, and, and, and that, that even that, that position that you took, you know, we, we don't pay sports stars, to many people, that would have been bonkers. And most people, as you said, in the sports industry would have said so. But it also strikes me that your attitude to doing what you just think is the right thing to do is not a risk to you, even though other people may perceive it as such. 
How have you always been like that? Have you always been like, well, I just see it like that, and that's how we're going to do it, or is there a more of an analytical element that you would let on? Oh no, there's no one else's. <laughs> there's no one else. I say, for example, when I bought the business, I bought it in two hours. Right, I had a meeting. I had a meeting with the, the original founder that went for two hours. I left. I went and sat in my car, and I rang him and I said, "Look, you're evidently in trouble," because he didn't say that, but I could tell from the conversation. I said, "How much do you need, and when do you need it?" And he said, yes, we are. And he said, this is how much I need. And if I don't get it in six days, then we close the business down. So there and then on the phone, I said, right, I'll cut you a check in three days' time. So there was no due diligence. There was no balance sheet. There was no P&L. There were just the very basics. So a lot of it is on on, on gut instinct. Uh, but that tends to be the way that I do a lot of the stuff I do. Stay with me for more gut instinct from Jamie Fuller, uh, my business shaper today. Ladies, travel in a couple of minutes. And before that, um, as you probably know, some words of wisdom, I hope, for your business from our programme partners at Mishkondorea. I'm Dina Shilo. I'm an associate at Mishkondorea in the Reputation Protection Group. In business, it's really important to think about your personal reputation and how your social media accounts might impact on your business reputation. So you might think that it's completely separate, that you've got a Twitter feed and no one knows that your Twitter feed has anything to do with your business feed. Well, believe me, people have worked it out or they will work it out. And the same goes for your Facebook account. I've had lots of incidents where people post things on their personal Facebook account. It comes back to bite them, sadly. Um, And the same goes for all your social media accounts. So it doesn't even if you do it anonymously, you think, on some of those forums, for example. That will all come out. So my advice will be to think very carefully about what you put on your private, so-called private Twitter feed, Facebook account, other social media accounts. Be really careful. Similarly with texts and WhatsApps and Snapchat that you might think disappears. Hello, they don't always disappear. Um, Make sure that you think before you tweet, you think before you post. Consider that very carefully because you don't want it to come back and haunt you. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, every Saturday morning from 9 till 10 here on Jazz FM. I'm very lucky because I get to meet someone who's shaping the world of business. If you've missed any of the previous, and there are over 200 now, then iTunes is your destination. Just put in the words Jazz and Shapers. If you'd like to tweet, then at Jazz FM is your Twitter handle you should use today, and please do feel free to do so. Jamie Fuller is my business shaper today, and um, he's the chairman of, uh, of Skins, as I said earlier. Your business, you bought this business with no due diligence. The check would arrived in three days. You had to do that. You built it quite quickly, I think. You got credibility in the market. The bit that many people won't know, A, if they hadn't heard of Skins, they will do now, but B, they won't know then that you've sort of become a campaigner. I don't know any other way to put it, where you have placed really important issues around corruption or rather anti-corruption and around gender equality and around all sorts of diversity, stuff that generally pressure groups do or activists do. You've taken them on, whether it's uh, corruption in the world of cycling, whether it's uh, corruption on the track, whether it's football. At what point did that become important to you and why? So in, in 2009, we sat down and said... Great brands have got principles, great brands have got values, great brands believe in something. It's not just a question of putting a logo on a product and sticking it on a shelf. And we need to define what ours are. And we went through this amazing process where we articulated what we stood for as fueling the true spirit of competition. And certainly for the first three years, that was about everything that happened on the pitch, on the field, on the track. 
That was about <clears throat> championing great acts of sportsmanship, about condemning acts of, of, of cheating. And it was having a very clear point of view about what sport means for us in a competitive sense, right? It was about it was about you know people diving on the football pitch and us saying, "Look, I'm sorry, that's that's not keeping within the value, the great Corinthian values of sport." And then in 2012, <clears throat> Lance Armstrong hit, and we initially came out and said, "This is terrible, Lance. You know, you've let us all down." But very quickly realised that this wasn't a Lance Armstrong problem. This was a cultural issue in in sport in in cycling, of doping. And that led us on a journey which exposed us to levels of corruption at the UCI, the Global Governing Body of Cycling, which then led us to, to, to start a reform campaign, which we never thought would succeed. It was really one of those moments where we said it would be wrong with our values not to stand up and say something and do something about this just because we think that we'll fail. So we kicked that off and that went for, for pretty close to 12 months. And I'm delighted to say that we were successful in October 2013 in, in removing the president of the UCI and seeing him replaced by, a, by an Englishman, by a pommy man, of course, um, who's now the current uh, president of the UCI. Now, I get that um, you're, if, you're, if you've agreed that your, your purpose and your ethos is going to be around fueling the true spirit of competition, and many brands, they come up with these things and, and they kind of do nothing with them or they do a little bit. I understand that, and I understand it makes good business sense on a level as well. I, I get that too. But beyond the kind of this, the rational business bit of it, what inside of you has made you feel so comfortable challenging other organisations, which you're now doing, you've done with football? And what is it that drives the why? I'm really interested in why you. Why aren't you kind of just beyond paying lip service? People do more than that, but you've gone much further than that, James. Yeah, well, look, interestingly, I it certainly when it hit the fan in the cycling world with Armstrong, I we we play in cycling, we are in cycling, and we're not a we're not a huge cycling brand. And I sat back thinking, the sponsors will come in and say something. Of course, that's obvious that there's going to be some sort of sponsor position. And after two weeks, nothing happened, and I thought, well, why don't I? You know, I, I felt initially, initially I felt not fraudulent, but I felt like I, it was wrong for, for us to do it because, you know, I figured you'd get the big bike brands and, and the big apparel brands would come in, the cycling brands. <clears throat> and like I said, I, eventually I thought we'll, we'll have a crack. And having gone through that journey and realized that this little Australian brand can move the needle significantly in sports governance terms. And then being exposed not just to corruption in cycling, but other sports. Because interestingly, simultaneously through that journey, I was I, I realised what had happened in '88 around Ben Johnson's race in Seoul. And the fact is, we now know that six of those men in the starting lineup for Ben's race are dopers. Whereas <clears throat> some of your older listeners will remember that we were sold this narrative by the IOC, by the IAAF. Here's this Ben Johnson, this lone cheat which is complete and utter rubbish, as having been revealed even more so in the last six months. Then it became clear, and I was introduced to an underworld of people who actively champion uh, and lobby for reform in sport, that this is a much bigger issue. So that led us into other journeys. And, and everything has been justified in my mind through our publicly proclaimed values of fueling the true spirit of competition, which are 
integrally throughout our, our organization in our DNA. It's not a tagline. It's not a campaign. It, it forms the foundation of things like our sponsorship strategy. You know, when we, we take that into account with our sponsorship strategy, our comm strategy, our corporate culture, our packaging. I mean, everything should be, should be woven throughout that. And that's our objective. We're not there yet. We're working on it. But it, it, it forms the basis of everything we do. More coming up from Jamie very shortly. Time for some more music. This is Gilberto Gil with Toda Manina Baiana. Gilberto Gil with Toda Manina Baiana. Jamie, you were talking passionately about it's not just a tagline. And I get that. And you actually, what, what I find interesting is the language you use is very much what it's about the business. But you're also very personal about this. And I really, I think I, I'm going to push you again on this this question of why you, when you describe what you did before you, you, you took the investment in Skins and it became yours, I still didn't, I don't know whether it was when you were younger or something. What was let me, Okay, let me put it to you this way. I've yeah. always had this very naive belief in sport and what sport means. Mm. If you read my bio, the opening line says, uh, my sporting ability is inversely proportional to my passion, right? I, I played rugby at school. I was in the 16 Ds, right, the, like the fourth team. We were crap. Jesus, we had a great time, you know. I mean, we, we, we loved it. And sport was so important to us, in particularly in the team context, whether in cricket or in rugby. And that's something that as a, as a kid I felt helped, helped shape me and the values that came from it. And so very naively, when you then go into the business of sport late, which I did, it's not like I went into the business of sport at the age of 18, mm. and you're exposed to some of the things that money brings it breaks your heart you know it breaks it 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 smashes that naive view that you have but but you talk about money and i get and I, that makes that makes sense you you talk about money obviously you're a business yep. and you're you happen to be a campaigning business Absolutely. i mean but you're still all over the fact that you need to make your revenue needs to go up your margin needs to people go up people think people think that you can either do it eth- ethically or, or you can make money you can do both and part of part of what we're trying to do is we're trying to to pioneer, if you like, so certainly pioneer in the sports industry that fact. And even today, I'm still staggered about the silence in the sports industry around all this corruption. Right? We're not we're not hearing brands stand up and saying enough is enough. We need to do something about this. We are the lone brand, which in some respects is great. It gives it gives us as a brand a, an open microphone, if you like, to be able to, to do this. Uh, but in other respects, it's still incredibly disappointing that the biggest brands in the world are, are silent when so much of this stuff is obvious what's going on. I'm just going to quote a line from your latest blog, and it says, Our vision is a world in which sports inspire society, and we want to use sport to change the world. And I have a feeling that's just exactly what you're trying to do every day, which is brilliant. Stay with me for my final chat with Jamie. Plus, we're going to be hearing from Mr. James Brown. That's after the latest Traffic and Travel. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. 
Don't mistake a James Brown track for being from anybody else. Um, that was Say It Loud, I'm Black and I'm Proud from the one and only Mr James Brown. And the one and only Mr Jamie Fuller is still with me just for a few more minutes. Um, all th- th- This focus on, as you said, it doesn't have to be one thing or the other, or rather kind of the bifocal, the bifocal view of the world. How do you make the mental space to to do both? Or is it just that where one begins, the other ends? I oh, know. I think you can. the success can come as... A result of of the the ethic um, the ethical approach, I believe, and particularly today. I mean, this is this is fairly standard now in the marketing world that you look at the millennials and their their consumption habits are significantly driven by socially progressive brands, right? So the, I'm I'm really pleased to say, to say that a lot of young people are deciding what they do with their money based on which brands they want to support and what they do. But again, this needs to be more than just a, ticking a CSR box or mm. a campaign. And if we can show that this is in our DNA, then you know what? The money will come. The success will come. So, in, in, and your own team, the team that you've built um, across, the, uh, across the various places where you operate, do they... Do you think they kind of go? How do I live up to Jamie? How do no. I live up? Or, or are you? What, what kind of? No, what would a, they say about th- it? This is this is this is a this is still a work in progress. Um, it's a lot better than it was four years ago. I remember having a fight with my U.S. general manager, who said to me, "Jamie, what the hell are we doing in the cycling stuff? You know, we only we do like one percent of our business is cycling. Why are we wasting our time?" And I said, "This isn't about cycling. This is about an ethical debate in sport." Um, and so there's still the need to continue to change minds. I've, I've, we've gone a long way forward with our guys internally, particularly the light bulb moment for them was around the work in Qatar with the Nepalese workers and the slavery conditions that they're living under and working under, all in the name of building a World Cup infrastructure for 2022. And once they were exposed to that imagery and the, the conditions, then it was a lot easier to be able to bring the team along and to get them to say okay yeah i get it this is a responsibility that we've all got to do but you've still got to make the commercial connection uh, and we we're, we're still working on that we haven't we haven't achieved that yet we'll get there there's no question and if you we're convinced that if we do it right then success will come and if we were chatting in 2022 yeah. uh, now about your business what would you say what what would be the two or three things you would say characterize it from a financial point of view and from a campaigning point of view. Well, obviously, as a businessman and an entrepreneur, I'd love to have a wildly successful and hugely financially successful business. I mean, that's that goes without saying. I mean, that's what business people do. Uh, but what would probably mean more to me is to know if people, if a consumer were, first of all, they know our brand and know what we stand for and know what drives our brand and know what our values are. And if there is a large number of consumers that say this is awesome, you know, if I have a choice in products, I'm going to buy skins because of that very reason. Jamie, um, I really hope that happens. I hope in 2022 we have that conversation. And if we don't, I will be thinking that we should, because I, I really believe that you're doing some fantastic stuff. 
Thanks, Please Ellie. continue to do it. Um, just before I let you go, and it's been a real pleasure chatting to you, um, and quite inspiring, actually. It's nice to hear um, both sides of the coin being spoken about so eloquently. Um, what's your song choice today, and why have you chosen it? Uh, it's Miles Davis, and um, I just... You listen to this. You listen to this track. You listen to this album, and you think that this album was cut in the fifties, and it is purely timeless. It's staggering and amazing. And I think what you've chosen is so what. Exactly. So what? Here we go. That was Miles Davis with So What, the song choice of my business shaper today, Jamie Fuller, a man who was somewhat open to risk, very comfortable in his role as a disruptor in his business world and indeed in the world in general. A campaigner, someone who's believed for many years and has followed through on it that, that there should not be any corruption in sport, that sport should be loftier and, and should do and make us feel fantastic things. And someone who has really stuck to his core values. This goes back a long way when he felt that sport should be right up on that pedestal uh, something that inspires rather than makes us feel depressed brilliant stuff do join me again same time same place that's next saturday 9am sharp please here on jazz fm in the meantime stay with us because coming up next it's nigel williams jazz shapers on jazz fm in partnership with mish it's business but it's personal